0: This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is April 11th, 2021. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio.
1: All right. So this is Michael Versaletto, or Mike V, as I went by on air. Uh, I was uh, a member of the WRHU radio station from 1993 to 1997. I uh, hosted Airwave, Rock and Roll Oasis, Anarchy. I did traffic and sports for the morning wake-up call, and I was the music director uh, between 1996 and 1997, something like that.
0: Uh... Okay, so the the titles and positions that you had at Hofstra Radio, give me that one more time.
1: I was the music director from 1996 to 1997, and I was in charge of the Rock and Roll Oasis and Airwave somewhere in there also.
0: Okay. And you said something about the morning show?
1: Yes. I also did traffic and sometimes sports for the morning wake up call.
0: Okay. Because when you said traffic, my brain immediately went to traffic director.
1: Oh, oh no, no. Yeah. Actual, actual traffic, like the, the traffic on the Southern State Parkway.
0: Okay. Okay. And you mentioned that you had an on-air name. Did you, did you always use the same on-air name? Did you ever go with your full name?
1: Uh, I was always Mike V.
0: So did you work on any, um, public affairs programs? Did you produce any weekend, uh, programs? What
1: else did you do work on? Ah, okay. Um, yeah, on the weekends I would do the community affairs. Let's see. I did, uh, oh boy. Um, oh man. Uh, (laughs) Basha, uh, the oh man all the all the uh, the names of the shows are escaping me but uh did yeah, did all of them I mean, who who was there it was uh Tony Savalas, um uh John Mann, uh we did uh we did the polish and yeah the irish what that what was that guy's name uh
0: Tony Jackson
1: Tony Jackson sure did Tony yeah. Jackson we did opera with the Cantor, um, Cantor Don Goldberg, right? Yeah. Yes, all right. Yeah. All, 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 yeah, sure. All, all the time. We, we just did everything, you know? Um, it, it was a community. So anytime something needed to be done, there was always somebody to step up and do it. Uh, I, I don't, other than, you know, hosting the weekly show and, Doing traffic for the morning show. Um, it was just always pitching in, you know, week to week was always different. There was many times when you'd be doing marathons uh, on a weekend uh, to cover, especially in between the semesters when there weren't a lot of people on campus. You would just be there all day. I just felt like I lived there for for several years, you know.
0: I, I do. I do know exactly what you're talking about. Um, OK, so. You obviously got very involved. Let's talk about when you first got to the station. So, sure. two two part question answer in the order that you like. So, what was it that first brought you to the station? And when you got there to Hofstra Radio, uh, where do you remember your first time going to the station, to the office or to the studio? Do you remember meeting people in particular? What was your what was your entrance into the station? If you could paint a picture for anybody who wasn't there when you were.
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, I was a communication student. Um, I was not even aware that we had a radio station. Uh, I'm not sure what my objective was, but I was a communication student. was trying to do something with the TV. Um, I was part of the alternative television club. And somebody came in to talk to us about the radio station. And I remember they came in. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Sue, and they said, or maybe it was Don Dressler, and they said, "Oh, so yeah, we've got this radio station, and you take a few training classes, and then your audition is on air, and you're on air for an hour, and you play whatever you want, and we'll go from there." So that sounded awesome to me. Like, oh, okay, I, and really the objective was just to do this audition on air. I thought that was sounded like a lot of fun. I was just gonna get on and play. Tom Petty for an hour, you know? I mm-hmm. thought like, oh that would be cool. And so I but I did the training class and it was so much fun and meeting everybody was so much fun and uh I got invited to a party and I remember just talking to people about music and they were like, "Oh, you like Prince too? Oh, you like Otis Redding?" and wow, and it was, it was instantly just a place I connected with, with people. And it was a sense of belonging and community and family and just fun. And I, I made friends that I'll have my whole life from, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the training class, I remember um, Bruce Avery, he he set up a microphone and he said, Oh, we'll start easy. And it was kind of like the old story of the, the Yankees after a bad playoff game. And he says, all right, let's start with this. This is a baseball. And, but Bruce Avery put the microphone up. He says, they really know what this is. And we're like, it's a microphone. And he said, no, it's an asshole magnet. And he's like, <laughs> I tell you, you put up a live mic and you are going to attract assholes. And I always remember that. And, uh, so funny and so true because there was so many characters that would flocking toward towards a microphone is actually a discipline to to running a radio show um and uh I also remember the training classes and um remember Will Shelley walks in to this training class and instantly this guy, he looks like Tom Petty to me. And of course I was a huge Tom Petty fan. I was like, who's this guy? And, uh, he was just hilarious. And we were all clueless. Um, I remember there was somebody in the class that didn't even know that records had two sides because we were in the CD generation. And of course, Mm -hmm. Will was incredulous as, as, as you just picture he, him, him being, and just, it was like an initiation um, and getting sucked into this world uh, of radio and uh, it left an indelible mark on me.
0: So when you came in for your training, this was in Memorial hall. Cause you were there at the transition between the old place and the new place, right? Yeah.
1: I, I, Memorial had just about closed when, I mean, that was like a legendary thing, Memorial hall for for us like we just hear about memorial hall cuz it had just closed um so i think we would go down there it hadn't been quite dismantled yet so the records were still there or different things were still there but um all of my training and experience were, were all at at Dempster Hall um but yeah the the memorial was like a ghost that was always uh had a presence uh, on on us because so many of the people that were training us and um, initiating us ha- had lived a lifetime somehow at Memorial Hall, even though they were only, you know, one or two years older than me. Uh, that was that was really funny.
0: That's it's such an interesting take that that that, you know, I, w- I was the older generation, so I left. So I'm trying to place this in time. So when you
1: came to the station it would have been fall of 94. Does that seem right? Right. Nin- 93 fall of fall of 93 is when i started hofstra so it was some somewhere in there It was either fall of 93 or spring of 94 it was it was early on okay
0: yeah because i um i graduated spring 94 and that was about the time that we started moving things over to yeah. the new place because i didn't right. really spend a lot of time there and yeah. it was so so okay so we've got a time in place so when you went uh, so someone came to one of your classes yeah. and then you wound up coming down for an audition that would have been in the new place in Dempster. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then, so there was, so you mentioned that Bruce introduced you to the microphone, uh, or the magnet as it were. And, uh, was that, was that the announcing class or is that just sort of an intro to what Hofstra radio is?
1: I, I think it was the, the, the training class for being a member of the radio station, you know, uh, maybe, maybe it was an introduction like to recruiting. Um, I know there was a lot of people in this room and not all of them wound up going through. Yeah, I think that's what it was. So somebody came to our class, whatever class it was, or our club meeting, and they said come and find out about the radio station. And then a bunch of people came there. And then they went through. All right, this is what you're going to have to do. And this is this is a microphone. And um, this is the process. And then you'd sign up. And and then you went from there. Um, and I met Sue uh, through one of these training classes or maybe it was my regular class com 101 or 102 mm-hmm. or what and that might have been in memorial um because some of our classes were still in the bowels uh below bits and bites you know
0: right so so like a a com 21 like basic audio production right? that exactly. probably would have might have still been in the old two-track studio or something exactly. like that
1: right. yep yeah yeah
0: how interesting, yeah, to, to, to toggle between the new and, and the old, and it's all new to you, right. which is interesting, but um, the different eras, the different see. kinds of equipment.
1: Yeah, oh, totally, yeah, I mean, because I never met Jeff Krause, um, uh, so all, all those people were legends, um, but yeah, and, and, you know, the in Dempster, I mean, there was still shrink wrap on some of the chairs, you know, everything was brand new so you knew things were getting built things were not even fully finished but that was that was all of my experience with whu Where was at dempster and then like you said i would take some classes at memorial in the old studios
0: hmm. uh, you mentioned before for that introductory class or whatever it might have been you said there were a lot of people what mm-hmm. what's a lot of people was it a couple of dozen was it 10 because depending yeah, on the area was- i get different answers
1: yeah, I would say there were 30 or 40 people, you know, finding out about what this was. And the people, I, I remember there being more people than, than wound up as being part of the station. But the people I remember were like Marlon and uh, uh, Adam Chandler and Lon Samuelson, um, Scott Breinberg, Dave Armstrong, uh, Dana Bove. Um, those are the people who were in there that that carried on but i know that there were there were more people that were like i don't know about this you know these people seem right. <laughs> you know
0: so um were there particular things that you learned in your training that stuck with you, whether it was an engineering class or announcing class? Obviously the the quote from Bruce, which is great, which I'm gonna think about for days. Um, was there anything else that you remember from your training or maybe tracking and you know with an experienced DJ that that you remembered and stuck with you?
1: One thing that has always stuck with me was during one of Sue's classes, and she was talking about how to have a music bed. And she would talk about how you never want to have vocals in the background music bed because it would be so distracting um, for the the announcer, for the DJ, uh, the person that you're supposed to be listening to. And it's so funny how often I hear that mistake being made on actual commercial radio still to Mm -hmm. this day. And every time I hear it happen, I think, oh, Susan, if she would only hear this, she would uh, be going nuts. Uh, so that is one thing that you know, is, was ingrained in my head is that a music bed is just an instrumental, never have lyrics in that.
0: It's those little details exactly. and, and they stick with you. Yeah. Um,
1: and then like if the other one that uh, if, you know, so many radio shows now are simulcast as TV shows. So if I ever see somebody like not wearing headphones it just seems so strange to me. Like how could you even do that uh, and do it well without being able to hear yourself?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you remember your first time on the air? Do you remember getting behind the board or getting behind the mic from the first time and going live?
1: You know, I don't remember the first time being on air, but I remember how much different the experience was being on, part of the radio station from what I thought it would be. So like I said, when I first heard about this opportunity to do an on-air audition, and I was a music fan, but I just thought I would play songs that I like, mostly by Tom Petty, because I was, you know, obsessed with Tom Petty. But I I just came to realize what a, a unique thing we had at WRHU and what Respect you had to have for the listeners who were choosing to go that far to the end of the dial hmm. to listen to what we were putting out there. I remember having conversations, especially when I was music director and talking to the younger people coming in and saying, hey, your audience are not coming here to listen to Bon Jovi. They can listen to Bon Jovi anywhere else on the radio station, They uh, on the radio dial. They can listen to Billy Joel anywhere on the radio dial. They're coming to hear something new and different. And it's a responsibility to to meet them there. And that was just a, an eye-opening aha moment for me, r- realizing that it was a relationship you had with the listener and you had to respect them and honor them by doing something different and authentic and unique. You had to try a little harder.
0: Mm, Well said. Well said. Um, You've mentioned a few people, Don and Will and Sue. Were there other people who were really helpful in in getting you started there and and, uh, getting you acclimated to the radio station?
1: Yeah, everybody was so supportive. It really was a, a family. I mean, Jen Murphy. Uh, uh, Todd Packer, uh, Eric Euler, um, D- Dave Mock, uh, you know, a presence. I mean, I didn't know he was a student, he was a teacher. I didn't know who he was, but he was just around, and everybody was so helpful and so dedicated. So he was so dedicated to the news, and everybody just had a real passion for what they were doing. Will Shelley did his radio show um, with such professionalism and such dedication, you felt like it was a moment. Butch with Soul on a Roll uh, and the morning show. the Butch and, and Dave Koenig, um, you felt like you were really part of something special because people really put their all into it for this, this silly station that barely reached beyond the campus. But people put everything they had into it. Um, it was like their legacy being written live. Um, and people really cared. And and, uh, and it made you really care about what you were doing. Because this was something important for some reason that you could never explain to anybody who wasn't part of it. Like, why was this important? How many people were listening to this? But it was so important to you to to do a good job. And if you messed up on air, um, you could laugh about it, but you really felt bad. And not, not only being embarrassed because you messed up, but just like you were letting everybody down.
0: Wow. So in some ways, it seems like once you got into the environment of Hofstra radio that, that you felt pretty comfortable. Is that fair to say, or did it take some time? How long did it take you to get comfortable, uh, behind the mic and on the air?
1: I felt comfortable as part of the community right away. Um, everybody was very welcoming and supportive. So I instantly felt like I fit in, in this community, probably more than I fit into many uh, clubs um, in my life. It was instantly. It was just instant karma. I, I don't know how else to put it, but I mean the the mm. the faces and the memories. Uh, Rob Mccula, uh, Do, uh, Debbie Lom, uh, Beth Marks. These are people who I will be connected to, even if I rarely speak to them, or see them on Facebook um, we were all part of something and we, we always will be.
0: Just thinking back to what you were doing before you joined the radio station, because you said you were a communications major. Did you keep up with, with doing TV stuff or, or did you just, just jump whole into the WRHU swimming pool and say, you know, forget the rest of it. I'm, I'm doing this. Did you keep up with other parts of your communications major?
1: Right. That exactly. That, um, No, I I don't know what my goal was uh, going to Hofstra. I think I wanted to be David Letterman. That was my aspiration was to be David (laughs) Letterman. And I didn't know how that would happen, except I knew that he uh, studied communications at Ball State, Indiana. Um, So then I was going to go study communications at at Hofstra. Um, But I didn't know what the path was exactly. So, yeah, so I signed up to do some things with the TV Station, but never really felt that sense of community with HTV. Um, I did really enjoy being part of ATV Alternative Television that, and that was something that I did during my entire Hofstra tenure. But no, once I joined the radio station, was part of that family and that institution. Yeah, that was that was how I defined my Hofstra career. For lack of a better word, was WRHU. If not for WRHU, I'm not sure Hofstra was <laughs> was worth it overall. But for w- because of WRHU, that that is my Hofstra experience. I,
0: I think there's a great many of us who would agree with that that yeah. statement. <laughs> so obviously we're, we're we have the benefit of hindsight and looking back and memories, and you've had a chance to think about some of this stuff. Um, and, and you've alluded to this, to the answer to this question, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway to see if you can, if you can get there. So you find out that there's a radio station and you walk over, you walk into this meeting or, or you're thinking about it. What as an 18 year old, as a 19 year old, whatever you were at the time, what did you think Hofstra Radio would be at that particular moment in time? Can you put yourself back in your shoes at that moment?
1: I really did not even know that there was a radio station. So I had no preconceived notions at all. Uh, I mean, in the person that came in told us how far the signal went. Um, so since my family was in Elmont, uh, you know, maybe 10 miles from campus, I thought there was a chance that they might be able to tune in and listen to what I did uh, if I told them. Uh so that was it. I thought there was going to be a microphone somewhere, and I'd be on there spinning some records uh, or maybe playing CDs. I probably was not even thinking that was those albums. Uh, I really had, had no sense of it all, but it, which is remarkable in hindsight because it, for four years, it was my whole world, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was um, this, this thing that I had no notion of, and then it became part of my identity. Hmm.
0: Mike, thank you so much for sharing your memories and, and your stories. And I will have more questions, and I hope you have more stories. Let's do this again sometime.
1: This was so much fun and it was great to look back and think back and relive some of those things.